Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Game Cola Podcast. This is podcast number 77, in which we're going to talk about why your favorite RPG is overrated. We have the perfect lineup here tonight. We have Michael Ridgway, Nathaniel Hoover, Anna Bernarski, and Joseph Martin. Everyone introduce yourselves. You just did. You introduced us no, all. No, you introduce yourself. Well, I'm Michael Ridgway, and you already know who I am because I was just introduced, so there. Nathaniel Hoover has been introduced <laughs> no, like, no, no. like 60 times <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> I'm Nathaniel Hoover, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I like swords. Nothing like 2009 references. No, no, that's that's just the first. We I've got another 2008 to go before we get there. Hi, I'm Anna Bernarski. Yeah, I have nothing to say after that. And I'm Joseph Martin, reporting from scenic outdoors <laughs> with people around. It's weird. I hope the crickets don't bother you. If you can and who them. says gamers don't go outside? <laughs> I really hope people walk by and just look at you just give you strange looks. Yeah, that's probably going to happen. We're going to make sure that you get especially fired up about video games. Are you wearing headphones by any chance? I, I am. I am wearing headphones. Oh, so they can't even hear us. No. They're just going to hear you yelling about uh, video games. To be I mean, fair, I've got, I've got Skype pulled up on my screen, so if anyone like looks, <laughs> they'll at least understand. It's 2014. Everyone's going to be too busy looking at their phones to really care what you're doing. Uh, so actually, this began because in the last podcast, we were discussing Chrono Trigger uh, briefly, and I said that I don't believe that it is the number one SNES game of all time, as most people seem to put it. And then Nathaniel had some... Choice words. Yes. <laughs> to say uh, in the comments on our actual internet website on the post about the podcast. I mean, Dems are fighting words. I'm pretty sure that he said, Jetty, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard, uh, and you are dumb. Yep, that sounds about my writing style. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so so I guess let's get this started with Chrono Trigger. And I will, I will uh, clarify, Chrono Trigger is a pretty good RPG. I just don't think that it's what everyone claims, like, number one... Like, not even best RPG, but I see a lot of people saying it's the best game on the Super Nintendo. And I just don't know if that's really... Alright, alright. Well, I, I want to take exception to something you've said. <laughs> okay. You said it is a pretty good RPG. Now, I'll, I'll grant you that we shouldn't be talking in absolutes about what is the best game or what is, you know, the ultimate RPG. <laughs> because there are many amazing games for every system out there. Maybe not like ColecoVision, but there are many amazing games out there. Now, you everyone can certainly have a favorite game, and some people sometimes people will equate favorite with best. My, but like my favorite RPG and and game for the Super Nintendo is Earthbound. Okay. Do I think it's the best game on the Super Nintendo? No, <laughs> I I, th I think actually I think probably one of the most perfect games out there is Super Metroid, and I, I'd make the argument for that. I'll that's different. That. <laughs> yeah, that's a different argument. But you just said that Chrono Trigger is a pretty good RPG, <laughs> which means it's a slight, it's a step down from good. <laughs> is it? I, I always and, thought pretty good as being better than good. I I think I guess, it's like hmm. almost good. Okay, yeah, yeah. I like guess it's pretty good. It could be better, <laughs> but 
Chrono it's Trigger mostly is a, good. Chrono but... Trigger is a damn fine RPG. Okay. Let's. I want to. I want to put that out there first. <laughs> I know I'm not really shaking the foundations of the world here by saying that that Chrono Trigger is a good game. But give it give it some credit. Okay. It, it does a lot right. Uh, there are a lot of things that are good about it, like the graphics. Obviously, were uh, above average. The music, uh, above average. The the battle system wasn't really groundbreaking. I think it was more uh, attractive. Like it looked good. It looked better. Not relevant. Because we're looking at novelty now as a big selling point for the game. Um, just the game in and of itself, is the battle system good, not is the battle system groundbreaking? We're judging the game by totally different criteria if we start talking about groundbreaking. <laughs> well, I guess the thing is is that a lot of people, like, people were impressed with you walking around on the map and then monsters pop out and you have the battle there on the map which is cool, but it's I would relate that in terms of graphics over the actual system itself, which is it's more than a standard uh, like Final Fantasy. You just it's, it's a bit more. It's not a lot more. I mean, it's still turn-based combat. They did do some really cool stuff with uh, the combinations. Yeah. That was, that was really neat. And so you get a different sort of play style whenever you'd switch out your party members. That was something... That you didn't see too often. Well, and beyond that, Chrono Trigger does something that I, I can't say that it's nev- ha- had never been done before yeah. because I haven't played enough other RPGs to know this. But in my experience, it was definitely unique because it was the first game and still j- almost the only game until we got around to like Knights of the Old Republic where the battles took place in the places you were. It wasn't some separate screen. It wasn't flash of lightning and then whirlwind well, off to look at the enemies. It's, I'm walking through a forest, and there's things jumping out of the bushes at me, and I fight them right here in the forest. And on top of that, depending on where my character is in relation to the other characters, my attacks, depending on what I use, might go through multiple enemies, might be completely ineffective because there's nobody close enough to me to be impacted. So a lot of different tactics um, started to come into play because you were really walking through there just like it was a Zelda game where things happened in real time. For a turn-based RPG, that was very different. And on top of being different, very well done. Yeah, I guess uh, the two things that I would say are different from you know normal turn-based combat are, again, uh, the multi-character combo moves and the... Like, it wasn't even just frontline, backline. It was, like, actual, literal, physical line or circle or triangle or whatever. And those were some pretty cool things. I guess... Uh, but not enough to thrill you and wow you to the point where you're raving about it like other people. Well, well let me ask you, when did you play Chrono Trigger? Uh, I played it around the time that it came out. Uh, it wasn't okay. brand right, new, then. but uh, it was new at the time. And uh, I guess the thing that bugs me the most about Chrono Trigger is the story and most notably the characters because it's not quite as big of an issue as with Chrono Cross where literally they have dozens of characters and the only difference between them is that this one has this stupid way of speaking and this other one has this other stupid way of speaking and that's the only like there's no reason to care about any of these characters and I kind of feel like it wasn't as bad as Chrono Cross, but they had beginnings of it where all of the characters were like, 
whoa, she's from the past, and, like, she's a cat girl, like, cave woman. Well, like, I mean, you're talking about a lot of it was anime tropes, which, yeah. you know, that's that's to be expected from JRPGs. But uh, I, and I, I think they actually did a pretty good job of fleshing out the characters. And one of the one of the things I love about Chrono Trigger is everybody's got a side quest at the end of the game that kind of helps them resolve things that they have been dealing with. Now, I, I will shit on Chrono Cross all day <laughs> because, oh, my God, what was like 100 plus characters and you don't care about any of them? Yeah. And it's like, and they don't even get around to, they, they cut the part where I think his name was Guile is actually Magus. And you spend the entire game's like, oh, that's Magus. Oh, that's Magus. Oh, man, there's going to be an awesome reveal. It's going to be amazing. And then it never comes and you just feel cheated. <laughs> Yet the game just teases you the entire time. And because they ran out of time, they're just like, oh, it's, just, it's, it's, it's Magus, you guys. But we can't say it's Magus because we don't have time to deal with it. But you, know, it's, it's, you can just use your imaginations. It'll be great. <laughs> so screw Chrono Cross. Anybody who likes Chrono Cross, yes, that game is overrated, and you're a bad person for liking Chrono Cross. But I guess, uh, I, <laughs> I guess with with me, I had come off of like Final Fantasy III, which I guess is a little more serious. And to me, I guess I cared about the characters in that one a little bit more, and they didn't seem as much of tropes, you know? Uh, you know, I'm actually willing to give you that. <laughs> I, I yeah, I'll give you that one. I don't know, I guess that's my main thing. And then also, uh I'm a fan of like Illusion of Gaia, which had an actual like it was an RPG, but it was like an action RPG, so it removed the whole turn based thing altogether. And uh I would say, you know, that was a game with really good graphics, that was a game with uh decent art. The the story I some I, I waver between good and pretentious <laughs> uh have you ever played illusion of gaia oh yeah very good game yeah it can get a little pretentious um a lot of those a lot of the quintet games where they're kind of dealing um uh they they, they kind of imagine this earth where everything um you know you, you kind of have to revitalize it they yeah. they try to get they get into the habit of trying to make these grand sweeping I want to say messages about, yeah. you know, the nature of humanity and it can get a little heavy handed, but they're still, they're very well done games and, and di- very different from a lot of your, your typical turn-based RPGs of the time. Um, though I do want to, I want to make a quick point about final fantasy three, AKA final fantasy six, if you know, yeah. cause that's not confusing at all. <laughs> you, we talk about the characters and how they're well done, but I have a feeling if it was done um, if the same game was remade these days, sort of in the style of Final Fantasy thirteen, the they could be they could have the same script, but they would it would be drowning in melodrama <laughs> because you know you have Terra and Celeste's you know tragic pass you have so many tragic pass in that game. It's true. I mean, uh, Sabin and Edgar. Uh, you have Cyan, Terra, Celeste, Locke, Locke. Locke. Setzer, uh Just anyone except for Shadow Realm. Strago. <laughs> Strago eh, is just like he, he's yeah, connected he's, to Realm, and that's about it. Yeah, it's just anyone except for Mog and Umaro has a tragic past. Who knows? Umaro. 
maybe his entire clan was killed by the Empire, and he is the last surviving Yeti, and he keeps trying to express his pain, but all it comes out is this... <laughs> maybe that's... Mog, Mog is maybe the only, like... Well, he, Mog's entire clan it's dies. It's true. Yeah, that, that game would be drowning in melodrama, but what saves it is the fact that they couldn't have voice acting yet. And so in our minds, we're just reading it, and it's like, oh man, that sucks, and you know... That you know, we can, we get that it's it's sad and it's it's awful and it does give these characters something that they're fighting for, but either it's, this is the problem that Vanjie had with Final Fantasy Thirteen, where you know this kid's the kid's mom dies or something in the beginning, right? Yeah, so, yeah she's nodding, and um, <laughs> like he's just he's like looking at it and like his maybe like a slight bit of a lip quiver, and then. It gives you the synopsis of the scene that you can read. It's like, his heart filled with rage that would know no bounds. It's like, no, it didn't. He was just (laughs) sitting there staring at it blankly without an iota of expression on his face. So, I mean, be be sure sure to place it in in, in, a certain context. Because at least, you know, Chrono Trigger does have jokes to sort of break up what could potentially become very melodramatic. Yeah. So does Final Fantasy VI, but, oh my god, I think these days it, it might be a little unbearable. Mm. But there's there's a fundamental difference between the two, and this leads into why I think Final Fantasy VI is overrated. <clears throat> yeah. Chrono Trigger is a heroic story. It's uplifting. Bad stuff happens occasionally, but ultimately, you're the good guys, you're doing good things, you can see the results of your good work throughout the game. Final Fantasy VI is depressing, not just because of the depressing backstories of the characters and all the sad stuff that happens here and there, but you never really win until the end. And even then, how much have you lost? Are we really just sort of, you know, trying to make up for this a little bit? Um, is that it's it's sort of this constant downward spiral of every time you think, you know, something's going fine, something worse happens. It really is. <laughs> so, yeah. from... A person like me who enjoys entertainment, I, I'm i an escapist. I play games to feel happy and good what and separate myself from all the crummy stuff of the real world. In part, there's other reasons why I play too, but that's a big part of it. So just in and of itself, the whole idea behind the story of Final Fantasy VI is not inherently appealing to me. So the story needs to work a lot harder to catch my attention and get me to get excited about it, which it doesn't because I don't connect with most of the characters because they just aren't the kind of people that I'd hang out with or I don't see myself in any of them or I don't really like their abilities or what have you. So there's two strikes against it already, but that's just personal preference. But the gameplay, I have serious issues with the gameplay. (laughs) It is uh, your classic click-A, 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 click-A turn-based battle. And that's part of it, because the the random battles out on the field don't require any strategy whatsoever most of the time. You know, you level up a little bit, and then you're good to go, until you walk into the woods and a brontosaurus blows you up with ultimate. (laughs) Ah, the brontosaurus. Bastards. (laughs) That's not the sole reason that I'm not soaking it. But there's... So there's a lot of characters, and... It becomes very challenging to juggle equipment back and forth when you're switching people. I can't tell you how much time I lost re-equipping people and saying, wait, did I have it on this person? Did I unequip? Do I have this in my image? I had some serious problems with 
figuring out what the inventory items did, one thing that Chrono Trigger does very well is you know what every single item in your inventory does. Every piece of equipment, it's all incredibly clear. Final Fantasy VI, the one that stands out to me the most, I go into, what was it? Was it the magic house that has the painting that attacks you? Yeah. Oh, was yeah. that one? Yeah, Alzheimer's so house. I'm, I'm in there. And I find, or I suddenly decide to equip the Relic Ring, which, according uh, to description, pop, pop. says, makes body cold. <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, maybe I'll suddenly be frost-resistant, or maybe it'll be like the opposite, that I'll be like flame-resistant or something. You know, something having to do with elemental stuff. I was not expecting to cast a healing spell and kill Celis, just for the heck of it. <laughs> because makes body cold means makes you undead like a zombie. Yes. Yeah, it'll do that. So I had issues like that where the game wasn't really communicating to me, here's what this does or here's what you need to do. So without a walkthrough or detailed instruction manual or yeah. something like that, sort of lost. And I mean, that's that's also from the era where we just had awful translations of JRPGs. Well, we had, we had translations. We didn't have it localizations. That's what we had. Where it's just like, so, you know, it, it, in Japan, you know, the words for a word, cold might be in a colloquialism for dead, you know, um, that, that's readily available. Whereas, you know, they just, they directly translate this makes you dead, makes they translate makes you dead to makes you cold because of the the way it's phrased over there uh, yeah well also so, because of nintendo of america's uh you know whatever limitations they put on uh yeah, violence fair. and religion and all that kind of thing because i i do also want to say how many times like what is vigor like i can kind of get bat power but like Vigor and how many bats you throw at people? Like vigor and stamina and all that, and like as a well, stamina. Having played so many RPGs now, I can look back yeah. and say stamina is usually tied into your hit points or something having to do with your character's sturdiness, how much damage they can withstand. Yeah. And vigor, I think, tends to do more with attack power. Yeah, and like you can kind of get that, but I think also the last time that I played it, which again was a few years ago. I got really confused because the espers, when they tell you what bonuses they give, don't actually match up. It's like, it'll give you more strength or something. It's like, is that vigor, I guess? So, so that's the other thing. Final Fantasy Wait, which game 3. are we talking about right now? I'm Final lost. Fantasy 6. 3 for the okay. Super Nintendo. 6, sorry. Yeah. I haven't it's the original. So okay. I'm kind it, of lost. All right. Well, the, the original SNES release is notoriously buggy, <laughs> so let, let's all bear that in mind. The um, I think the the Game Boy Advance port is much better with that regard. It's also much better translated. Um, if anyone is actually interested in playing those games, I would highly recommend the Game Boy Advance ports of uh, four, five, and six because that's they they had a new translator around for those games and they're it, they're much better done much much easier to read. One of which is we have a video for which we have a grammar we have grammar video playthrough by Michael Gray on the Game Cola YouTube channel. We have, uh, yeah. we have grammar video playthrough. That's <laughs> Although uh, he doesn't like the game either. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of come full circle on that topic because. I wanted to raise some other bit because I don't remember a lot about Chrono. It's been a long time since I played, at least a few years. 
But I do remember that I did stop playing before I beat it. I did want to go into that because I don't, again, I don't want to like say I have strong opinions about it because I've only played it once and it was a very long time ago. But I feel like I'm, there must have been, at the point I dropped off, there must have been something I was dissatisfied with because I didn't keep going. Okay. So I guess like what I think happened was I was really into it at first and I was enjoying it. I was like, yeah, I can see why everybody likes this game so much. I mean, there was, RPGs aren't always, aren't like my favorite style of game so that would probably play into like as an rpg i can really appreciate this i'm you know personally more fond of platformers so you know i would i'm more inclined to like others from personal bias but i got near the end i started just sort of disengaging from the story almost like i remember at least i think the first at the first time that happened was in it's i think like the, one of the near future sections near the end of the game like 120 AD, I think, something like that. Or not 1200 AD is, is one 1200 of the AD. Near the end. I feel like there was a lot of stuff going on there where I was just kind of like, all right, I'm just doing this to get to the next part of the game. I'm just doing this to get to the next part of the game. I don't know for sure because I can't remember what really happened there. And then when I kind of, the part where I know I just, where I dropped off and didn't pick it back up again was near the end, spoilers, if you were curious, Chrono is gone. Spoilers! And, and so that's like, I said spoilers. Um, it's totally spoilers! I said that. I said it was spoilers. <laughs> oh, I thought you said it's not. No, it's, it's definitely. And that was cool, like the idea of, you know, you know, you think that you are this one character this whole time, and then, you know, now you're not. You don't have that anymore. And so now you've got to rework your old party dynamics, and it was interesting but then they give you um, Magnus, Manus? Magus. 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 Haggis. And so like you're like, oh, okay, kind of, that'll be cool. And then you like, the game has been following you along the storyline, and then all of a sudden you get to the part where there's the tower. The tower appears. Like, yeah. I think the end game tower. And like you've yeah. gone from like this really, really direct, like this is the path you're going, you know, you can do other stuff, but this is the path that you really need to do to progress. And then all of a sudden it gets to that point and the whole game is just like, nope, no more, no more direction. You can do anything. You can go anywhere. Well, it, it does give you direction. It says, here's the big, bad, floating black omen that is right, but, where you need to go. And then you start poking around and you're like, holy cow, this is really tough. I'm getting my butt kicked. Yeah. But wait, I have a time machine that can fly. Let me go poke around the overworld and see if there's anything that I can get here that's going to help me not get my butt kicked so much. And then it turns the game into more of a traditional kind of RPG exploration, which you had hints of throughout, but now you really yeah. do get a chance to go have fun. But, like, when I when I got to that point, like, I kept looking around, because I think, I think I was like, okay, I'll go do that chrono-saving pathway that they talked about. And, like, even there, it just felt like I was very... Like, the whole game... I tend to not be under-leveled in games. I'm not one to avoid... Like, even in this game, it's very easy to avoid battles, but I'm not one to do that. I like to, you know, battle each enemy once, at least. Um, I'm the same way in, like, Paper Mario. But, That's another one. That's no good. <laughs> but, so I would... So it wasn't... And I never had problems with leveling before. Like, as long as I knew the strategy, I could take down any boss. It may take me a couple times, but it was due to strategy, not due to being underpowered 
But then this, like all of a sudden, like, you know, at all the past, everything new seemed to be way beyond my capabilities at the time. And anything that I could do was stuff that I had already done. Because I did explore, and like the only times I felt like my strength was balanced was places that I had already been. I think, again, I'm going off of like, you know, a couple years memory. And maybe none of this is valid necessarily, but that's what I that's what I kind of remember feeling. Well, along along the Chrono Trigger lines, another one of my issues with Final Fantasy VI is at the very end of the game. Likewise, the world opens up and you have a whole bunch of side quests, or you can go into the final dungeon. Oh uh, yeah. But unlike Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger, it's challenging to go into the final dungeon unprepared, and you miss a whole lot of good story, but Final Fantasy VI, it's sort of mandatory to go around and do all of the quote-unquote optional side quests. I would argue that it's not 100% necessary, uh, but then again, I have a brother that before he left the World of Balance, he got his guys like 5,000 hit points. It was like the (laughs) amount of leveling and esper abuse he he put his characters through is disgusting (laughs) um so but i i don't know that i completely agree with you there so and it's it's been some time since i've played but i'm i'm just thinking about the the final final battle that you look at any of the walkthroughs or you you know you try and do it with you know I'll, i'll skip the what is it the mage tower is that uh, the one that's like a hundred yeah, levels Tower of, of the Magi. just yeah. me alone crying out loud? Um, <laughs> <laughs> reflect rings, dude. Just equip reflect rings. Yeah, fight. right. <laughs> so I eventually walked away from that one and said, you know what? I, I don't want to bother with this. And then there's some glorious item at the top where I get to the final battle and all the walkthroughs are like, you have to use this or else you die. And then I <laughs> start playing. I'm like, oh, look, I'm dying. I wonder why. So, um, it. And that's something just as a general thing about Final Fantasy that bothers me is that they're very tactic-specific. Like most other RPGs, if you find something that works for you, if you've got certain characters who are dedicated to this kind of thing, or if you've got, you know, first round do this, second round do that, usually if you have sound tactics, you do okay. But a lot of the Final Fantasy games, and I felt like 6 is one of them, you need five is the worst of this though. Um, you need to very specifically tailor your team to do exactly the right thing at exactly the right time with exactly the right equipment, or you just die. <laughs> okay, I like five. I like five a lot. And I, I don't. I, I, there are, there are many positive aspects about five. There are things that I like about five. And I don't. I did not get that. Now, did you play the will... or advance or some other port? I played. I played the advance. Okay, advance is what I played too. Um, but I will say they do do they they abuse that horribly in the DS port of Final Fantasy IV, and that is a game you absolutely need to follow a walkthrough very specifically, or you will die, uh, pretty much every five minutes because well, it is is that bad. I mean, there's a part of Final Fantasy III that I'm sure I will never forget because I walk in with a great party that is kicking butt, and then the boss says, "Guess what? You're not dragoons, therefore you die." <laughs> Like, okay, let me go back and level myself up four different party members as Dragoons so that we can all jump the first round and not get instant fried and then come back and maybe fight a battle. Also in Final Fantasy IV, isn't there a part, aren't there multiple parts actually where like you'll have a character and they'll just like take that character away from you and including all of the stuff that that character has. Yeah, that'll happen. That doesn't seem very fair to me. Well, You're not that's, any that's the thing. Life is not fair, and it's filled with constant disappointment, and you better get used to it. 
Which is why we play video games? <laughs> That's why I play Mario Kart. <laughs> there was also uh, the Dark Elf Cave where you had to, like, get cloth equipment and, like... You know, I felt that was a fun challenge. I thought... I, I like that one. Yeah. Done, done sparingly, depriving you of your equipment or abilities to some extent at a later point in the game can switch up the variety a good deal. Yeah, although I am I am reminded of, uh, what was it, uh, Tactics Advance? Was that the one that had the, like... Offense, tactics Advance? Yeah. Oh, the judge system yeah. where it's like, you can't use staves! Yeah, what is a stave? <laughs> I had problems getting in. I'm, I'm not good at tactics games and i'm good at tactics but tactics games like shining force there's a good one uh i played the game boy what was it game boy advance remake uh shining force resurrection of the dark dragon uh, <laughs> a friend of mine is very big into shining force and said you should try this too and i played it and it's a fine game but i myself did not enjoy playing it because of all of the the various harshnesses around it of one of your characters died so you can either afford to buy equipment to keep your other characters from dying or resurrect the one who got bopped and you don't have any chance to go back and grind for anything and i also kind of like to not lose half an hour to an hour of progress yeah. so going out and fighting a battle and getting to the last enemy and then getting wiped out and then doing it all over again, not really so enjoyable. But the game itself is fine. I personally am not the kind of gamer to appreciate that the most. That's my bit on Shining Force. Actually, speaking of tactics games, uh, one of my favorite games for the Super Nintendo, uh, only released in Japan, was Front Mission, if anyone has played Front Mission. I've, I've played other Front Missions, not the original, but yeah. Yeah, uh, that was a tactics game that was robot based so i'm gonna throw up my my most hated overrated game here uh and i hate to continue in the vein of square games because i really would <laughs> love to branch out to some other series but you know it's they are you know sort of the hallmarks final fantasy 7 oh i hate final fantasy 7 so I much i despise final fantasy 7 <laughs> I, I i think the characters i i think you get way too much melodrama <laughs> I think Sephiroth is an awful villain who is just a guy in a kilt that <laughs> quotes the Bible. Uh, I I don't think it's it definitely it certainly hasn't held up graphically. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not a lot from that era has, and Final Fantasy VII is definitely one of those. Music's neat. It's it's, it's not bad. Um, battle system, yeah, you know, again, nothing to write home about there. Uh, the story is nothing to write home about. If you ask me. And uh, the only good thing is the chocobo breeding, which is really messed up in and of itself because you're totally inbreeding chocobos. <laughs> That's the one I part of the game where I completely avoided. I took one look at it and said, I'm going to feed you a nut <laughs> and you didn't grow into anything. So I'm walking away from this. I have so many other things to do with my life. I will groom Pokemon for the rest of my life because there will probably be more benefit from that in my overall enjoyment. My my brother played Final Fantasy VII, and he was the same way. And then I kind of took a look at the chocobo breeding and the chocobo racing. I was like, all right, yeah, this is pretty tight right here. I'll just do this. <laughs> I'll let you do the rest, Matt. Well, see, uh, uh, I have so many issues with Final Fantasy VII. I mean, uh, I didn't really care about the story. I really hated 
the enemy design because all of the enemies are like, oh, it's a like, house that shoots rockets. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I'm in the desert and I'm fighting bouncing, spinning masks. Thank you. That is great. Like, class A enemy design there. But, like, uh, on the... On the question of graphics and music, I always have to compare it to Breath of Fire 3, which came out in the same year. But the even if you can say that the composition of the music in 7 was pretty good, the execution was terrible. It sounded horrible. The, the instrumentation that they had was bad. Whereas with Breath of Fire, again, it came out the same year. And both the graphics and the music were great. Like, yeah. there's... Uh, I just don't know why they decided to go full 3D. Anna, Joe, you kids play Final Fantasy VII? Well, I haven't never... played any Final Fantasy games, so I'm just kind of... Yeah, me neither. ...dividing my time. Wow. <laughs> what? I mean, you should I have, like, a game full like... of boot camp. <laughs> I played the first one, um before but i only played like 20 minutes because i was completely lost and i got to like the first boss i made my way over to the first boss and like died immediately and i was like that wasn't really that much fun <laughs> i talked to a couple people i battled some imps for a while like i didn't just go straight there i wandered around for a bit battled imps for a while went to the castle and just all of my party was completely wiped out you're supposed like, to equip your sword before you fight anything joe <laughs> did i even have a sword i don't know if i had a sword okay i had a fighter and I, I'm also going to bring up that part of my dislike of Seven was the beginning, because as Nathaniel said, uh, you know, classic RPGs always have, make sure you equip your equipment after you buy it, or uh, use keys to open doors. Uh, but then Final Fantasy Seven was the beginning of, I'm going to talk to a random child in the weapons store, and he's going to tell me about the battle system for 15 minutes. And then they're going to ask me if I want to repeat that. And then I get to go out and like try to figure out what a materia is. It's like, uh, like it's not even that innovative. Like at least with the chrono trigger differences of like there being lines and like shapes and like multi whatever, like those were intuitive and like they did make battle a bit more interesting. And this is just like, like chrono cross again with a stupid color thing. Like it was the beginning of, horrible quote creative battle systems i will say because um when i played chrono trigger i missed the house that was supposed i missed the, the i like uh, of all the house i checked like every house but i missed this one because i didn't realize it was like a separate area at yeah, the time yeah. just the way i was looking at the map so i missed the house that was supposed to teach you about oh active like, time battle. how battling works yeah and it was a bit difficult at first, but I don't even think I ever really went back to that house, and I had a pretty good idea of what I was doing. Yeah. Um, I got the hang of it eventually. So even though it would have helped to have that first bit, which they included, I I managed to figure out sort of how it worked. I might have missed a couple things, like formation and like setting up. I don't think I ever really planned around like how I was going to approach enemies. I just kind of ran into them and then hoped for the best. Yeah. But I might have missed some information there but for the most part i got through just fine without any of the tutorial stuff yeah now as someone who played final fantasy oh uh, i believe 2012 uh, they re-released it for pc 
with <laughs> cloud saves at the end of 2011. And Stop. I picked... No, no, it's it's true, it's real. <laughs> I picked that up, and oh, and they had achievements and things like that as well. But basically, the same game that was originally released. And so I played that for the first time. Must have been 2012. And coming late to the party, understanding that it is a game of its time period, where uh, a lot of the fan hype about it probably has to do with the nostalgia factor. Yeah. You know, still being able to filter that out. I enjoyed it. It's one I've played Final Fantasy 1 through 8 plus Adventure plus Mystic Quest and it's one of my it's probably top 3 or top 4 of those. Definitely in the the upper tier of the games. Um because I'm I'm all about the gameplay. Story is just the cherry on top of the whipped cream on top of the sundae that is the gameplay. So the fact that there was any kind of story whatsoever was just woohoo. Um I was I found it to be a little confusing and convoluted in parts. Uh, sort of the relationship between Zack and Cloud and Sephiroth and time frames on some of these things. Yeah. And I must have I think someone told me I missed a house with one person where I needed to talk to that explained half the plot. <laughs> so it's kind of troublesome that you can just so easily miss a huge component of what's going on here. Yeah. But no, the the gameplay I found to be solid. I enjoy the materia system being able to switch out you know some of the the different abilities that you have um, the I think what helped to cement it in people's hearts at the time is that there was really no other video game no other RPG that ha was that ambitious in terms of story for that for the PlayStation as far as I'm aware um, that also had graphics like that because pointy poke your eye out polygons were brand new and everybody loved them um, and also it was a a more serious a more adult story Final Fantasy VI has a serious story but Final Fantasy VII admittedly tries too hard to be for grown-ups. Uh, there's some slightly scandalous stuff in there. There's characters who use foul language. There's alcohol I use, mean, which previously got language. censored out. It's like, it's a game for grown-ups. It's so cool. Yeah. I don't know if I call, you know... Uh, Sid? Uh, or, uh, what's his face? Sid. The, um, Barrett. Oh, Barrett? I thought Barrett. No, Barrett's beard cursing. No, Sid was the one who, like, constantly in every single sentence had, like, a censored however they censored it because they censored it didn't they like did they replace it with the like stars or something i don't remember whether they did and they might have changed it for the version that i played okay. but i i do remember it deliberately trying to be a grittier game than the final fantasies that preceded it on top of being fairly serious with a sense of humor that occasionally came out sometimes awkwardly but the the game overall, you know, I, I didn't mind strange enemies in the middle of the desert. You know, it was just fruity, colorful things that got thrown at me as cannon fodder. Um, the issues that I did have with it, though, were all of the, like, the quick time events and the all of the mini-games that were injected mm -hmm. into the middle of the game where you didn't have any preparation whatsoever. There was really no practice. It was just, oh, yeah. well, we assume that you've played this game before and know how to get past that. And all of a sudden, you're missing things that you can only get in this one spot if you do it right the first time. Yeah. And then I throw my hands up in the air and say, well, this isn't fun anymore. Yeah. And then I go back to bashing things. I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of like this game. And then they make me march in a parade. And I'm like, I hate this again. Yeah, suddenly you're riding a motorcycle. 
The motorcycle was fine because that was more like other video games that I'm halfway decent at. <laughs> but the, you know, sort of the WarioWare, Mario Party mini games that they threw on there, like, um, what was it? Um, Breathalyze is not the word that I'm looking for. Uh, resuscitate. <laughs> resuscitate the person who's drowned on the beach. Oh, yeah. Not breathalyze. Breathinate. Breathitize. Yes. Oxygenate. So overall, I I enjoy Final Fantasy VII. I don't think it's radically wonderful, but for the time it was something new and different, and I can totally see where people have a soft spot for it and can overlook some of the issues. Um, and I actually like a lot of the characters in that more than a lot of the other Final Fantasy games. Um, and I don't know if it's because... I don't know that they're any more developed than some of the other ones, but they they interact with each other better, I think, than some of the at least previous Final Fantasy characters do. Mm. Yeah, I guess that uh, that point is true. I mean, in six there was uh, moderate amounts of character interaction, but excluding uh, you know story points like Sabin and Edgar or whatever, or uh, Locke and Celis, you didn't really get too much outside of uh, depending on who was in your party, you would get a few different statements about the exact situation that was happening at the moment. Well, and that's another one of the things that sold me about Chrono Trigger is depending on your party makeup, you will get different dialogue fairly frequently from them. But what's so clever about it is it's not just some random line that they say because they're in the party, but the script is structured in such a way that depending on who you have, it still sounds like the conversation is flowing naturally. Yeah. Even though they've, you know, replaced one person with another person. Like when you first meet Isla, um, there's, uh, I remember there being a little bit of banter about remarking on her appearance and saying, you know, what are you? I'm a robot, raw boot, what this rubbish, you know, things like yeah. that. And there's real interaction and it feels like a different conversation depending on who you have. But the core of it is still the same basic words yeah. that are there to set up what the characters are about to say. I thought that was great. But Paper Mario, not so great. Okay, and when you... Are we going to move into Paper Mario? Because I can <laughs> talk about Paper Mario. Because uh, I've, I've never actually played Paper Mario, but I do hate some uh, Super Mario RPG. Which one? <sighs> Alright, now now you're all killing me. Oh wait, super, I, can't, I can't do Super Mario RPG. Let's I, go Paper I Mario. I can let you guys okay. talk about Paper Mario. I can sit this one out. Alright, Nathaniel, make your case. Right, make your case. Go okay. ahead and tell us why you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I admit going into this that you're I wrong. love, love, love Super Mario RPG, one of my top favorite games of all time, one of my top RPGs of all time. Very much enjoyed it and continue to enjoy it when I play it sometimes. Um, and when I saw Paper Mario, my expectation was Super Mario RPG 2. So I went into it thinking it was going to be something that it completely was not. And there's one thing that I found over and over and over again is that if you have bad expectations going into a game, you're not going to judge it fairly. So I am willing to concede that I've only played it once, it was years ago, and my opinions may be null and void. But Is this the first Paper Mario you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, the first Paper Mario. I, I have no experience whatsoever with any of the sequels, just the original N64 Paper okay. Mario. Thousand Year Door, the, the GameCube Paper Mario, is super tight. And I've heard good things about it, but there's not enough from one to even begin to encourage me to go into the second one. So, so you've got yeah, a bunch of one? random sidekicks who are just a Goomba, a Koopa Troopa, a, you know, whatever, just some random enemy. They're not real characters that are you know, wholly unique to your journey. So it's Mario and a bunch of thugs. 
Goombario so, has a whole family of little Goombas. Okay, and do they all come adventuring along with you? Because if that were the case, then maybe I'd have liked it more. But then you've also got the leveling up system where there's a cap, and you suddenly can't level up anymore, and you don't realize this initially. So you start to maneuver Mario's stats in a certain direction, and then you can't do anything anymore. And if you didn't level him well enough, or if the battles are particularly difficult, there's nothing you can do because you've reached that ceiling. You just you can't grind to get a little bit better, which, for something that's ostensibly like a more kid-friendly RPG, that's a really big problem, where you just suddenly, you, you're getting better and getting better, and you're improving, you're getting stronger, you're beating up monsters better, and then you stop until you get to the next section. And that was just frustrating as all get out to me. Super Mario <laughs> RPG has a level cap, too. It's 30. It's always 30. Oh, if, at the very end of the game, but I'm talking about each section until, I think it's until you beat the boss of that chapter, or whatever they called it. Um, you cannot level up past a certain point for that chapter. Well, I mean, that, you could you could say that's good or bad, depending on how you look at it. It's, you know, bad if, you, if you're absolutely awful at the game and you need to grind. It's good if you want to preserve some sense of challenge to the game. Because, like, wait, it's... In Paper Mario, was it possible to, um, you, is that one of the games where if you time your dodging correctly, you won't take any damage? Right, or you reduce your damage, yeah. Or, okay. Because I know in the Mario and Luigi series, which was sort of after, um, you know, Superstar Saga, it kind of split off into Paper Mario and Mario and Luigi. In Mario and Luigi, I know, particularly why I like it is, it's not even just reducing damage. If you dodge correctly, you will not take any damage at all. And so leveling becomes more of something to help you if you are to, to make up for your lack of skill. But if you have skill, then you don't need to level. Uh, Paper Mario kind of does that too. Again, I don't, I'm not super familiar with the first one as much. Mm-hmm. But this, it, Paper Mario focuses a lot more on trying to incorporate that mechanic of know how to how to block or dodge and figure that out and that's a big part of figuring out how you're going to approach the game and where a lot of the game challenge comes from rather than leveling and i think they almost want you to focus on that they don't want you to power through this game they want you to develop skills and become good at the you know the dodging and the blocking because that's sort of their core that's their thing that's unique, that's their, this is what makes our game different in a lot of ways from a lot of other games. And so if you could just, and again, I don't know if this is this is necessarily good, but like I said, if you wanted to do it, play it the way you wanted to, that's, and that's totally fair, yeah, it does hamper that. But it seems to me that the way, if they were trying to keep things focused on their fancy mechanic, that would be, that is a precaution that they take. Because it had to be a, a deliberate decision decision it's not like a oh the numbers worked out so it gets to the point where it's almost ridiculous for you to try to grind in the same area anymore it's they cut it off and now it's like saying all right this is as much leeway we're going to give you you have to get good to progress Um, i don't remember there being in super mario rpg i got very good with the timed hits i don't remember that being very prominent in paper mario and again it's been years since i played this but I 
I'm struggling. I'm struggling even to remember what the combat system was like because so much of it just felt forgettable to me. It's just okay, do this thing, move on to the next area, and beyond the gameplay, I was not thrilled with the aesthetics. Like I don't mind kitty graphics. I don't mind simple graphics. I don't. The paper thing didn't work for me. It felt weird because there was no real connection to Mario or any aspect of the Mario universe. It seemed to lend itself well to paper, so it was sort of an odd choice. Um, but also the N64 graphics, which were, again, poke your eye out polygons <laughs> with some of this flat 2D stuff on there, hasn't aged well. And I played this a lot later on, after it first came out. Um, and the music just was grating to me. I don't Maybe you like it, but just everything about the music was either completely forgettable or just sort of make it stop, please, let's get on to the next section. There were two or three tunes that I kind of liked. You know what game you would hate? Paper Mario. Uh, well, Sticker Star in particular. Yeah, you probably wouldn't like Sticker Star. Sticker Star? You know how you say you didn't like that there was a point where you got to a level cap? Sticker Star starts you out with a level cap. There's no leveling in Sticker Star. You just get items to attack with and those items you because you get like the sticker stars whole thing is you collect stickers from beating enemies and so as you go through the game more powerful enemies will give you more powerful stickers so there's no self leveling up you are but completely see, bound to the game there but see that's more like Mega Man battle network which i'm i've played through the first two i'm in the middle of the third one right now so i've gotten used to that mentality of well you don't really level up you just get better equipment or you get a wider array of attacks that you can choose from and that's fine because that's all about strategy that's all about tactics and the other side of that where you're leveling up and you just you know you grind until you're good enough to get through the section that's fine too because there is that option to grind if you're not good enough at the regular gameplay or as a strategy to say I want to power myself at a certain level to get through here whereas Paper Mario compromised between the two and I don't feel compromised particularly well because I wasn't doing all that much grinding before it capped me off and said no yo dog you need to deal with this right now and man up and fight it you know like well no you you sort of you've taken the joy out of running around beating stuff up but you haven't given me enough motivation to learn how to fight these things with the abilities that I have because you still occasionally do let me level up I will argue still that Sticker Star does a really bad job of it because you get <laughs> you guys constant feed of stuff. Like you're never lacking in anything. You always have the best equipment available to you as if you're playing the game. And also blocking like saves you from one damage point <laughs> instead of like halving it or like seventy five percenting it, which I think it does in some of the other games. In the other games it's a lot more prominent blocking in that game it does. I don't like I don't like Sticker Star a lot. I thought it was very boring. I also remember Paper Mario moving very slowly. I felt like it took forever to get me from one side of the screen to the next, even with the little whirlwind spinny do that you can do. Um, so it just it really dragged on a number of levels for me. But Mike seems to like it. I do. I never, I never Mike had any. Likes it. I never had that sort of feeling in the in, in Thousand Year Door. I think everything was it was very condensed in Thousand Year Door. It was very. You know, if we're going to make you fight, you're in this little room. That's all you got to do. There wasn't, there weren't like big, wide open areas as much. Which I don't, I, again, I'm not super familiar with the first Paper Mario. But I guess I, when I played Thousand Year Door, which I think does have the level cap, maybe it's a bit 
maybe it's a bit more lenient with that level cap in terms of you can get a bit more powerful. But I do remember encountering it. Um, but it never really was a problem. I always felt like I had grinded sufficiently and that I could ground <laughs> sufficiently and that I could move forward and that things, I never felt hindered by a level cap. Um, it never, I guess I never felt like I got to that point. And maybe that's the difference between the two games. Maybe they, they worked that better. It's weird though, because I've never heard that complaint before. And I wonder, I wonder why that's the case. Because I feel like, you know, if you were playing, you know, Pokemon and you couldn't get above level 10, you couldn't get Pokemon level 10 and, you know, the gym leader has, you know, level 12 and 13, then that would be incredibly frustrating. So Yeah, I but see, I disagree. I, I think if you do it right, it preserves the challenge of the game because one uh, one thing I, I'll do, and sometimes I can't help myself from doing it, is grinding. Grinding until the game possesses no more challenge for me. And then I just kind of go through the rest of the game. And, and yeah, it is fun in a way where I just I murder everything. But at the same time, it's... At, at that point, I'm just going through the motions. There, There's nothing there that really challenges me. And I'm beating it just to say that I've beaten it. So I guess it all depends on your play style, really. Because I totally do get what you're saying about level caps being frustrating and, you know, wanting to be able to, if you're if you're having a rough time, to get a few more levels to go through. I mean, Pokemon is a prime example of that. If if you're having trouble with any of the gym leaders, just go level up. I mean, you can beat Brock with a Charmander at the, with that uh, tactic. Yeah. Um, you can beat Brock. You can beat Brock with a Magikarp. You can beat the Elite Four you, with a level you, hundred Magikarp. Can if you, you even get a Magikarp by the time that you get to Brock, though? You cannot. But you can beat the Elite Four with level hundred mag- Magikarp. <laughs> Uh, it's you know it's that powerful. Well, it's because um, that's that's because of flail. That you can there's you there's a trick to that. Yeah, we'll I will still. concede to Magikarp users. You but I mean, you're use, you're forty you levels use, higher than them, so you know you that use, that means you're going to win. You couldn't use a level one hundred Kakuna that you caught in the wild because it only knows Harden. No, well, yeah, if you, if you catch it in the wild, which you never do. You always evolve it from a Weedle, so at least it knows Tackle. Duh. What if it's a Nuzlocke? What if you're catching it and that's the first one you run into? Then what do you do? Then you put it in your Pokebox and never touch it again. You get a Weedle, goddammit. Get all my levels. We've gone We've gone off track. We've gone off track. I mean, Pokemon's an RPG, so not really. It, we it could, is. We could move to Pokemon if we're done, if we're done with Paper Something Mario. Something I can talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Pokemon. And that way we don't need to hear Jetty bash Super Mario RPG because we'll talk about Pokemon instead. <laughs> Pokemon is not overrated in the least. It is amazing, and we all should play it and love it and use it as a model for world peace. <laughs> Where we capture poor defenseless animals and make them do our bidding. For you know, it's it's actually it's interesting how they've been addressing that recently. Where they're like they're kind of getting to the point. It's like yeah, it's kind of weird that people capture them in balls. So we're gonna do more about you know how Pokemon are friends and actually Pokemon who battle are healthier than Pokemon who don't battle. They've actually said that in the games. So you can allay any fears that you're actually mistreating. <laughs> they are no. animals bred for war. <laughs> I mean, Pokemon are just people that speak a different language and have immense powers that makes you wonder why the hell they aren't running the show <laughs> and the you know the naked pink monkeys are their servants. 
A Charizard can melt you. That is a thing. Is, is anyone here going to make an argument that Pokemon is overrated? Because if they're not, then it's, there's no point in talking. I... Oh, it's so weird. Like, what can we say that's <laughs> negative about Pokemon? Like, I mean, because there is... I mean, there is a, an extent of... There's always, like, one or two things in each game that they that they bork up. Yeah. Um, and usually it has to deal with um, uh, online battling. Uh, I will say that the first one is... A, the first the first generation games, at least red and blue. I, I mean, I played blue. And the first ones, at least with the perspective of going back to them, are like a mess when it they, comes no, to battles. No, they are... They are they're ludicrously buggy. I mean, <laughs> I, well, and I that's got... where my experience lies because I I played through what half maybe of Pokemon Red. I got to Safari Zone, however far in the game that is, and I was enjoying it well enough. I thought it was another RPG, and I saw that there were a lot of things that I could be doing that I could be obsessing about, but I chose not to because I, I don't. I can be obsessive about things, but it was not catching me enough to be obsessive. And then I get to Safari Zone, and I have the right kind of Pokeballs and all of the things outside and inside the Safari Zone. I am no longer able to catch it just it won't and i'm holding like up a or whatever it was that you're supposed to do to make sure you catch them <laughs> nothing was yeah, happening not actually a thing i know i know but i just it ceased being physically capable of catching any pokemon and i said you know what i don't gotta catch them all and then i went <laughs> off and played something else yeah the safari zone is a rude awakening <laughs> Especially when you you get in there, it's like, oh man, all these rare Pokemon, and they're all just running away from me. Oh man, a Scyther, that's a badass bug with sides for hands and <laughs> looks awesome, and oh, that's the fourth one that's run away on me. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not particularly fond of the Safari Zone. They, so the Pokemon games are very good at building on previous flaws and deficiencies but they tend to introduce one or two new ones uh, be, uh every generation because of that uh we guess the, keeping you up mike yeah sorry uh i'll get a baby man. come on <laughs> Catch me, give me a break here um by the way it's been very good thank you connor <laughs> sitting he's asleep right on the other side of the room um now they, they 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 always have a couple deficiencies, which they tend to fix, but then they introduce a couple more. Um, trying to think of what they did wrong in X and Y, I think someone was complaining about battling and well, you know, just yes, the str- EXB all is completely broken. I no, I, I, I think it's great. I, I I used it and I was completely like I got completely overpowered incredibly quickly. Then, then there turn was it no, off. <laughs> yeah, I did, but like the damage had already been done. Like Can I was already. Pokemon? But I I'm not gonna just abandon my strong Pokemon. Like that's See, the, well, the, the whole point of the game is they they constantly tell you like you're supposed to like your Pokemon, use the Pokemon that you like, and keep using them, and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Like that's like the whole game they tell you that. All right. Well, then, you you have poor experience with it, but I think the XPL is an amazing uh, addition for people who don't want to spend all day grinding. And people, <laughs> you know, they might be more casual players. And Pokemon XY sort of opens the the experience all opens the door to them and says like, listen, we know this game can be tough at points. We know, you know, maybe you aren't 
totally uh, versed in all the intricacies of Pokemon. Because I could, I could name you pretty much, you know, all the ways to beat a certain type of Pokemon. I could name you the, their best moves. I could probably name you most of their stats, at least give you a ballpark area, uh, area and their abilities and which ability is the best. And experience all for me is completely unnecessary, and that's that's fine. But you know, if I'm trying to bring my you know bring my kid or oh gosh someday bring Vanji into playing Pokemon, something like the XP all is what's going to keep her there long enough for her to get to the good parts and not get bored with grinding. And I, what is that exactly for somebody who has heard oh, of Pokemon? I apologize. apologize. Okay, so. There's um so you can equip items on your uh, Pokemon in the past, uh, and typically like in red and blue you would have to, if you wanted to um, gain experience for a Pokemon, you would have to use them in battle. And if you're trying to level up a weak Pokemon, maybe you'd throw them out there first and then instantly bring them back for a stronger Pokemon. I so, remember that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> super annoying, right? It's super annoying. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, most of the reason I didn't get very far in Emerald. And that's that's fine. And so there's another. So they one uh, when they introduced the ability for Pokemon to hold items, they introduced an item called Experience Share. And what Experience Share does that is that you put it on a Pokemon, and that Pokemon gets some of the experience from every battle fought. And it is a instead of you know throwing them out there every time, it's a way for them to get some experience. In Pokemon X and Y, they pretty much said, okay, we know that constantly grinding and switching out Pokemon is a pretty big pain in the butt. So they give you an item. It's an experience. It's called Experience All. Uh, you can turn it on and off. It doesn't have to be equipped on a Pokemon. And when it's in use, basically all the, um, the, the Pokemon in the fight will get you know, 100% of the experience. And then... Every other Pokemon in the party will get experience equal to 50% of what the main Pokemon earned. And Good. it is so a way... they're basically catching up with half the other RPGs out there. <laughs> exactly, yes. But Wonderful. my argument, like, I, I like, like, I'm not against the idea of the EXPL and it helping, but I feel like also in X and Y, they also made it a lot easier. Like, even if I didn't use the EXPL, in X and Y in particular, I would not have had to grind as much as I usually do in Pokemon games. So it seemed like they kind of, when they did both, they made it so that, A, you didn't have to grind, and also made it really easy to grind. It felt like it got out of control for me. For, for me, for, and maybe this is just a personal thing, but it felt like it got I, I out of control it, way too fast. I think it sounds fast. like you were paralyzed by freedom. <laughs> Perhaps. It just, like... I didn't play with the XP all for very long, and all of a sudden I just felt like way, like just, I soared past where I felt like I was supposed to be. And maybe that's just because I've become very good at economizing experience over the years. But that was that, just my personal thing. That and I, and yeah, that's, that's just me. That, I, I will concede that that is a more of a personal thing, that I prefer there to be a bit more challenge. But if Nintendo wants, you know, and it's, you know, X and Y have sold wonderfully and they are great for like all ages as much as any other Pokemon game, if not more. So that's fine. But I'm going to be a curmudgeon-y old fan and want my challenge. Well, I mean, you mm -hmm. can have your challenge. You just turn off the ex experience all. The thing, right, about, the thing I like about it is I try to, over I try to be overpowered before I face a gym leader because I absolutely hate backtracking. 
And, like, I'm lazy, so I really like it. That means I don't have to go back and then come back to the gym, like, go back and try and level up more, so. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm busy these days, very, so very busy. And I I love the experience all because it allows me more time to do the things I like in Pokemon, which is battle and, you know, kind of get to the post-game where I can, you know, start really training up Pokemon to fight my friends with. And I don't have to worry so much about grinding. Uh, it's 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 great for if you don't have a ton of time on your hands to grind anymore. And you know that's it's it's good to have doors open for just various types of players. I think. And I mean, I it's, I'm gonna be blunt. I mean, if if you don't like it, you can turn it off. <laughs> uh, and definitely, that will be the case for repeated playthroughs. I just personally, I've. I agree with you. If you don't like it, turn it off, which is what I did. But I don't know. I felt like it was like it didn't become clear to me that it was a problem until it was too late and there wasn't any going back. And again, maybe it was personal. Like personally, what I would what I would want, and maybe this is unfair of me to request of the designers, but for it to be more clear whether or not you whether or not you need exp all before it gets to the point where you've gotten to the point where you can take out entire gyms with one of your Pokemon, which is what happened for, to me for the lot of the game. And I found myself not needing to incorporate any strategy long after I had stopped using EXP all. That's such so, a hard thing to balance in video games, I though. I know. And because that, again, there are so, especially when you've got all of these different moves, all of these different characters, party members, in whatever form they may take, of trying to anticipate what are people likely to do, what is fair, what is fun, and what's something completely random that people might try and are we accommodating for it. I mean, it just gets harder and harder as RPGs get more complex. And I'm, I'm impressed with anything that's able to still deliver any kind of a consistent experience with so many options. Yeah, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying that they should have. I'm just saying that if they were to cater to me personally, that's what they would have had to do. And that is probably an unreasonable thing for me to request, but it, it still affected my experience with the game. So I feel justified in bringing it up, if nothing else. There we go. Anna, do you have any RPGs that you want to shout about or make us defend? Okay, so I had to look up a list of RPGs because I know I've played them before. (laughs) But for some reason, I had no idea what they were. And the only one I can really think, um, besides Pokemon, that I've actually played like a lot is Oblivion. Ooh, oh Elder, my Elder god. Scrolls. Now we're now we're going somewhere. Oh my god, I hate Yeah. With I don't burning passion of a thousand white hot suns. Thanks. <laughs> oh god, this game was hyped to me for years and years and years. And I finally tried it I want to say a couple years back. And I you know, I I love Fallout 3. I love I love New Vegas. Although I will argue that Bethesda, for their in-house stuff, really can't it really can't write because the ending to Fallout Three is atrocious, um, and a lot of the other characters just feel so flat in that game. And then yeah, so then I get to Oblivion, and everyone's like, oh, you know, it's just open world. You get to make the character the way you want, and it's like this is awful. I mean, first off, the making your character the way you want is through this weird like skill level up system where 
you just have to start jumping across the countryside if you want to get your jump up, mm-hmm. and you just have to crawl everywhere if you want to get the cra- your crawl up. Yeah. And the leveling up system of the Elder Scroll games, I haven't played them yet, and I really need to, but I need to find a time where I can have hours of my life eaten up. You know, you level up in the Elder Scrolls game. Just, I've seen people play it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Just if like, you're trying to level up your sneak, just hit the crouch button. Yeah, that's all you have to do. Put a rubber band on the control. No, just put a rubber band on the control stick. Yeah. And just you know have have it uh, you know sneak uh, like be walking into a corner for like two hours and just go make yourself a sandwich, mm-hmm. shower, maybe read a book and come back and you'll be like thoroughly leveled up. Uh, and then there's the level scaling, which level scaling is just something I hate in almost all its forms, where you know, if you end up leveling up quickly, like the guys in like the first area of the game, they'll start out with leather armor. But by the time, you know, you've, you've been playing for a few hours, they'll have friggin' dragon oh. demon glass equipment. It's like, these are just level one moves. <laughs> they should not have this type of thing. It's, oh, it's really frustrating. And it's such <laughs> cliche Tolkien fantasy. <laughs> That it's, I mean, it's like I might as well be playing like you know Lord of the Rings first person because that's it's all they just regurgitated, you know, a generic fantasy book. Really, there there wasn't anything that was yeah. that intriguing for me. I hear Skyrim is better. I haven't played I Skyrim, but because you know I value my time, and I'm not about to be tricked again. But yeah, I Oblivion is. So overrated, in my opinion. I think most of the uh, Elder Scrolls games are kind of overrated, but the thing I had a different experience from like you. You you said that it was overhyped for you. Yeah. Yeah, I I actually had heard like nothing about this game. Um, my boyfriend at the time he's like, here you should play this, and then he kind of just gave me a copy and I played it and I liked it. But all I did like since I had so much time on my hands, I just kind of walked around and that's all I did. And he's just like, oh yeah, it's so great. I'm just like, I've been walking around picking flowers and making potions. That's that's all I've been doing. I can only speak for Morrowind and a little bit of Daggerfall, Elder Scrolls Two, which I was able to download for free because they were giving it giving away one and two for free uh, on the actual publisher's website. Um, so I tried two after the, playing three and found that huge randomly generated RPG world the size of Western Europe <laughs> is not the best idea in the world because every place looks basically the same and it takes a long time to get there. Yeah. So did not give that one too terribly long. Also, the controls were a little funky for me. Something Just the combination of the keyboard and mouse to get everything to work right was a little clumsy. Um, and it's hard Going back, I don't mind older graphics. Like, I grew up on the NES. I grew up on the Atari, really. So I am no stranger to old, simple, basic graphics. But at the same time, it was really tough to go back to sprites walking around 3D mazes attacking you rather than fully 3D things. So I, I had a couple issues with that. Um, Elder Scrolls Three though everybody's read my Morrowind review right on our actual internet oh, website oh yeah that, right that, okay uh was 
a thing that you yeah <laughs> it was a thing that was 10 months of my life went into that thing <laughs> but they were great what i 10 months yeah Woo. yeah <laughs> so i played it a little bit on my my roommate had it at college and i played for i don't know an hour or two i took the silt strider to balmora wandered around a little bit but got enough of a taste of it that said okay this is really big and vast i want to sit down and give this the time it deserves and then years later i got myself a copy of it and the two expansions and sat down and played through all of it and there's plenty of side quests that i missed and honestly i just enjoyed playing it as a sandbox I, every once in a while, nudged the main plot line so that I went and found out stuff here in the ruins and then delivered this thing to that guy and then went through the ghost gate and did all these different things. And I, it, the plot really did not matter to me all that much. And the graphics have aged pretty well. And the music is still beautiful. There's not nearly as much music as there needs to be. I don't know if you can hear my wife Bubba buying in the background there. <laughs> she she's been playing it as well. Um, so gorgeous soundtrack, not nearly enough music, but still gorgeous. And the customizability of it, I loved. I it took me forever to figure out things. Like I I was sort of blindly crafting my character into. I thought, oh, I've played No One Lives Forever. I'll be stealthy and sneaky, and ended up just beating everybody over the head with a hammer. <laughs> so I did not craft my character well, and I certainly was not able to power level, and uh, any of the, the scaled leveling, like all of that was just completely over my head. I enjoyed hopping around like a madman across the countryside <laughs> with a big giant mallet in my hand, whacking rats, and stealing people's pillows. It was the <laughs> best thing in the world, <laughs> and I could play it whatever way I wanted. I could be a terrible person. I could be a noble hero. I could just be a good-for-nothing layabout. And I had a great time because I was not holding myself to any particular method of playing it. And <laughs> and my wife says no standards with my asparagus hat because the glass helmet does kind of look like asparagus. <laughs> so I had a blast with that. I really did. And I can't speak for Oblivion or Skyrim even, but it, three was enough to inspire me to try and play the other someday. I want to go back to something that, unless somebody else has something to say. I was just going to go to Super Mario RPG if we were done with Elder Scrolls. Oh, okay, yeah, why don't we do that? Oh, I mean, were you going to say something? No, I was going to go on to a completely different game altogether, but this is a good time to do that. Oh, okay, uh, so Super Mario RPG... You're wrong. <laughs> I remember being very excited with Super Mario RPG and being like, man, this is, you know, how weird, like, they're going to take Mario and, like, make it into an RPG. And I, like, I hated it from the beginning. Like, the only neat thing that I liked was the, like, tap to jump again and jump again and jump again and that kind of thing. So, like, playing Mario. <laughs> kind of. Well, Jenny... To be fair, your heart is a black, shriveled lump of coal that can know no joy or love. I think that's important context for saying that you don't like Super Mario RPG. The graphics were terrible, and I hated this graphics are great. stupid mushroom, or not mushroom, the marshmallow guy, Cloud. Oh, he's Prince of the Cloud Kingdom. Spoiler, sorry. <laughs> he's great! <laughs> I just didn't... Gino's great! No! Bowser's, Bowser's great in that. Oh, I love Bowser in there. 
Like okay, I kind Peach of is great. I kind of liked uh you know you're playing as uh, Mario and like Bowser and whatever, but then they introduced like this stupid sword guy who I didn't care about. Because you need to have an overarching because the 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 players in in the Mario universe they're they're players they're they act out. You know, their daily lives on sort of a stage for us to play through. That's why, you know, they have Super Mario Brothers 3 and, you know, Mario Wrestling Peach from Bowser. Then they have, they're all together playing board games or all together racing. But then you have an outside force that comes into the Mushroom Kingdom and messes everything up. And so suddenly everyone that's, you know, typically they've got their own little groove going on. They have to band together to get rid of this invading force. And it's exemplified by Smithy, who's bringing actual, like, weapons into the Mushroom Kingdom that heretofore the only thing that they really have is hammers. He's bringing swords and axes and bows and arrows. And, and they, had uh, they had boomerang. Let's give them credit. Hammers and boomerang. Hammers and boomerang's fine. You know, they're blunt weapons, though. They're not, not stabby weapons. I mean, these are things that cause, you know slashing wounds and blood and gore and whatever not just you know you thwack someone on the head they're not they're 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 not they're not cartoon weapons it's amazing the music is great the graphics are great all the various things you can discover in the game are great albeit the trying to find uh uh that one red essence no i was gonna say the casino is a pain in the butt but um i found it completely by accident i'm like oh hey i won this thing great I uh and then they let me in. I just hate the pre-rendered 3D graphics. Uh But that's still a personal preference because the the graphics themselves are still very highly detailed and as far as pre-rendered graphics go, they are very nice. If you don't like the style, different story altogether. Uh, are they though? I mean, uh I just They are. They okay. Are. Uh, separate question. Donkey Kong Country series. Mm, still didn't really like it. Okay, so you don't like pre-rendered graphics. So you're <laughs> Because if you said Donkey Kong Country had awesome graphics, but Mario RPG was terrible, mm. then we've got a problem on our hands because... We, we have a dirty hypocrite. On <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I just don't like... Okay, so you don't like the graphical style. That's a fair... And that's, that's not a fair criticism of the game, but that's a fair reason for not liking it. And I guess I just didn't care about the story. Like... You know, so you're playing as Mario, but like most of the stuff about the story has nothing to do really with Mario. I mean, it's it's fluffy. I mean, well, Mario is not, you know, well, it's not really meant to have this amazing huge backstory. Yeah, but like, I will say, I will say, I haven't played it, but I I haven't played um this. I, I, it's not super. What are you doing it's, with your time, man? <laughs> playing Pokemon, probably. <laughs> um, seven stars. I've seen a playthrough of it though, and I will admit that in comparison to other Mario RPGs, again no, from what I remember, no, it's only Mario RPG. The others are Paper yeah. Mario. Get it straight. Well, there's also Superstar Saga, but they're they're not, you know. Well, the, the Mario, don't have the name but like Super- other games in the series that play more into sort of exploring the Mario world with storytelling a bit more. I can see. I think. I think. I can see where Jay's sort of coming from. Where. You know, with an RPG, it's the you get the chance to you know explore Mario with a story that isn't possible in the other games. You can't, you know, there's no there isn't really story in the other games. But in this, we would have the opportunity to really see 
you know, how do these characters talk to each other? What, you know, how does this all work? And I feel like from what I've seen of Seven Stars and what I've played of the other games, the other other Mario RPG games like Paper Mario and the Mario and Luigi series, Mario and Luigi series especially, really play up sort of how the Mario world works and what you're doing has a lot to do with the established Mario world. Whereas um, Seven Stars, and again, I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily, so saying it's a bad thing, but it is definitely much more focused on bringing in this other into the Mario world, and that's sort of what everything is about. And so you've got these characters, you've got you know, um, you've got this puppeting cloud that you know aren't referenced in anything else, and they're just they come in and they can be cool characters. But if someone is approaching it from the idea of I really want to see the Mario world come to life in a new way. You're just sort of getting, well, what's this thing? Yeah. What's that thing? These are things I Right, and I, and I can actually support Jetty a little bit. Um, again, still love Mario RPG, but when I first played it, I said, oh, great, Mario, Mushroom Kingdom, Princess, all of this stuff is, who is this fluffball? Mm-hmm. Who is this wooden doll come to life? Like, where is this look? I, I wanted it to be the Mario universe I knew and loved come to life as an RPG. And you only sort of get that. You get a completely different story of other characters who, at first, I was not invested in. I thought Mallow was whiny. Gino was, you know, sort of stiff. I mean, he is made of wood, but I mean, just the character was. I, I was not getting into it yeah. the first time through, in part because of my expectations being what they were. Of you know, I want Mario, and I want, and then when you know Bowser comes into the picture, and when the princess comes into the picture later, then things start to get more interesting for me. But going back on subsequent playthroughs, now that I know what to understand, when I now that I know what to expect from the game, I look at it as this is a story that happens to take place in the Mario universe. And if you look at the gameplay, because again, it's always back to the gameplay with me, it does a very successful job of translating what makes the Mario platformers so compelling into RPG format, because you've got a lot of the iconic enemies. You've got Goombas, you've got Hammer Brothers, you've got Piranha Plants, uh, you've got a lot of the items. You have the mallet, you know, sort of like going back to Donkey Kong, Mario's appearance there. Uh, you've got the invincibility stars. You've got, you know, running around. It's not random battles that just show up on a map. Like Chrono Trigger, you've got enemies you can run into and you just see them down there. And you can jump on them. You can jump around. So you've still got the, the platforming side of it. Um, and there are some platforming challenges on top of the RPGs. Even in the battles, you are still doing platforming when you're, like you said, Jetty, hitting the button to jump on them again. Yeah. Um, you're using fireballs to take them out like you wouldn't. I mean, there's so many touchstones of the Mario games. It's all there, but they had to add so much more to it to expand an almost non-existent universe into something that felt substantial enough to warrant, you know, 20, 30, 40 hours, however long it takes to, to get through it. It's, I, I call it Mega Man X Command Mission Syndrome, because Command Mission, another RPG adaptation of a platform series, um, throws you into a game, and you've got X, and you've got Zero, and you're like, oh yeah, X, oh yeah, Zero, I'm so on board with this. And then they take Zero away from you, and then you spend the next 
20 hours saying, I want Zero back because I came in here to play Mega Man Zero Command Mission. <laughs> and if you do that, you're completely overlooking the actual world that they're building. All of these different characters who have their own backstories, their own interesting uh, abilities, and their own character traits and all of these different things because all you really wanted out of the game was this one thing. You didn't come into it and say, I'm going to have an adventure in the Mario universe Let's see where it takes me. Mm, yeah. So there what you you're saying is that it's your guys' fault that you don't like it, and the game is amazing. But, but I, I, I don't know if I should it really be. You know, how much is it the fault of the player to go into a game with certain expectations? I mean, to it's a certain extent. <laughs> but like, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a comparison, <laughs> and it might be completely out there. So bear with me. Say you were going to go to what you thought was a fancy dinner, and you were like, you know, you got, not, maybe not super fancy, but like, you know, you got in, you know, a polo shirt, um, some khaki pants, and you get to the thing, and suddenly it's this wild party, you know, it's way more casual than you thought it was going to be. It was, you know, people are wearing t-shirts and jeans. There's lights flashing, there's blaring music. Now, even if you would have liked that kind of party, and maybe personally with me, it's like going in with the expectation of this is going to be this sort of thing, is it really fair that you don't like it because you were you came here for something? I, like, you know, I came to this because I wanted to have a nice dinner with people, and that's not what I'm getting. Even if this thing could be enjoyable, that's not what I came here for. If you want me to do this, I need to come. You need to lead me there. Maybe not lead me, but I need to come there with that mentality. And you can't just tell me what mentality to have when approaching the game. Well, to keep going along would. with your analogy, it's what kind of information do you have going into it? Does someone say this is going to be the greatest party ever, and they sell it like some sort of you know wild and crazy raucous party, or do you not hear anything about it and it's just hey party at my place? <laughs> And then you use your own personal experience to interpret what party means and how to dress. Mario Party. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, it's it's tough because, especially with the games that we're talking about, some of us have come back to them after years after their release um, or played them immediately or in the general time period when everybody else was playing them for the first time. And expectations of yesteryear and expectations of today are, can be so completely different that, you know, it, it doesn't matter when you played it, it's what did your particular expectations at the time happen to be relative to what the game actually was. And I do want to say a few things about expectations, and basically, if it wasn't Super Mario RPG, and you still had the weird pre-rendered 3D graphics, you had the same music, uh, you know, the same level of game, but instead of being Mario, it was, you know, Marcus or something, like it was just a character... And it wasn't released. Mark RPG. <laughs> yeah, Super Mark <laughs> RPG. <laughs> like, if it was just a game, I just wonder how many people... Super John Smith, The Incredible Adventure. Yeah, uh, fights with a sword from space that randomly appears in his land and starts handing out weapons. Uh, I don't know, like, the same thing with Chrono Trigger. I guess I feel like with Chrono Trigger, part of the... Basically... Squaresoft had built up its reputation to the point that people were expecting it to be a good game, and I wonder if it had been released not by Square Enix, but by somebody else, 
if it would have gotten the same reception that like Lufia 2 or Illusion of Gaia got, which they are considered good games, but they're not quite on the same level, like they're not raised to the same pedestal that Chrono Trigger is. Well, as I recall, my first exposure to Chrono Trigger was at a friend's house. Um, friend's dad was playing through it, and I sat in, and I'm like, this is really cool. Yeah. I want this game. And then got excited about it, because I had, I had heard nothing about it, nobody else talked about it, I had just seen gameplay, and said, I want this game. Yeah. And then eventually I got this game, and then I played through it, and I loved it. And this was well before everybody was all on the internet, leaving their opinions <laughs> left and right and hyping it up. And this is before I had fr- – actually, this was when I had friends. Um, and <laughs> we could talk about things like this and get hyped up. So there, there was really no – little or no outside influence aside from that initial exposure to the game. And I still fell in love with it the way other people have independently of each other. Because hmm. uh, for me, what I remember was I had grown up, uh, I had played Final Fantasy 2, I had played Final Fantasy 3, I had played uh, Secret of Mana, and I was like, man, Square really makes the best games, like all these RPGs are these great stories, great stories like Secret of Mana, man. <laughs> and so when my brother brought in Chrono Trigger, which he was borrowing from a friend, and I loaded it up one Saturday morning, and I played without saving it from... Well, that's a, just poor idea. Well, okay, because it was my brother's friend's copy, so I was like, well, I'm not going to save over anything. There's an open save slot, but I, I feel like I shouldn't. So then, like, I played it, and uh, I got to where you meet Robo... That's pretty far in without saving. Yeah, and like then my brother finally comes out. Like I, I started at like 6 a.m. and then at like 10 or 11, my brother comes out and he's like, "Oh, why are you playing my game?" And he turned it off. And uh, yeah, that was my introduction. <laughs> and then you hated Chrono Trigger forever. No, uh, I really loved Chrono Trigger back when I played it the original time. But I guess on subsequent playthroughs, I'm like, uh, I can't stand these characters. And, like, even though I feel like a lot of late SNES games had too much effort put into the instruments for the music, like, the composition is good, but they, like, add all this, like, echo, and, like, they're trying to make it sound like real instruments, and it ended up sounding weird, like, I guess, Uncanny Valley with instruments. Just, uh, like, have has anyone played uh, Tales of Fantasia? Nope. Played Tales of Symphonia with my wife. Mm. No, I have not. Oh, a lovely game. Our nickname for it was Tales of Neverending. <laughs> we enjoyed it for a while, and then it didn't end. Well, because Tales of... Still enjoyed it, but... Tales of Fantasia was another game that uh, I didn't play it until like, way late on an emulator. I mean, it was never released in the States. Uh, but even as far as emulation goes, like, I was playing emulated games in, like, 1998, and I didn't play this one until, like, 2004, 2006, something like that. And I can't stand the music in that game. Like, everything has, like, echo on it. And... That was another game that I complain was overblown and they tried way too hard. And even though the graphics are good and like they had a cool battle system where it was like a side-scrolling action battle. I don't know if the later games are like that, but it seemed cool at first. 
And then after the first like hour of gameplay, it's like, uh, this is a nightmare. I think Jetty just wanted to use this podcast as a forum to complain about Chrono Trigger. <laughs> well, uh, I think so. But what I'm, what I guess I'm saying is that if it wasn't a SquareSoft game, I'm not sure that I would have gone in with the same expectations of like this is going to be awesome that I had when I played it. Fair. Do we have any other RPGs we want to love? Yes. I uh, yeah. no go for it, Mike. I I talk a lot, so I uh, I'm gonna throw out Xenogears. Oh, I hate Xenogears. I l- <laughs> it sounds like we all want to throw it out. I love that game so much when I first played it, and playing it again, I have no idea why. It's it's my brother's favorite game actually, <laughs> and I I recently picked it up at a Goodwill for a few bucks, and I was like, hey, Black Label Xenogears, yeah, that's worth three bucks. <laughs> Fun fact, it's trending at around 40, so hmm. yay for me. Um, not that I need more video games in my house, but, you know, I like collecting. Um, and I remember actually having a good time with it, but I stopped playing it near the end because the um, the storytelling just got so heavy-handed. <laughs> and then there's, like, this one part where you, I think you beat, beat a major boss, and then it, like, gives you some backstory, and then it tells you that, like people started eating each other or yeah. something and then it's just like it skips like there there I don't know apparently there was like there was supposed to be like a whole playable chunk there yeah. uh and that but you know they didn't have time for it, so they just it was like and then stuff happened and now you're back and it was I always heard that it was uh restrictions they didn't want to go to full 3 CDs and so they were stuck trying to cram three CDs worth of gameplay into two CDs and huh. you end up with this whole area where, yeah, like you said, basically there's Ellie sitting there telling you the story in text and going through pages and pages of text. And then you have like a five minute gameplay where it's a very quick dungeon and a boss. And it's like, this is why you fought the boss. Let me sit here and explain it to you some more. Yeah. And I mean, aside from that, I, I remember having decently good memories of it. I mean, Giant robots are great. I mean, who doesn't like giant robots? Yeah. If anyone here on this podcast doesn't like giant robots, you're wrong. Yeah. So, you know, and, and having, like, an RPG take on that was actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's just the the framework of it all where it's just so dense and symbolic <laughs> yeah. and heavy-handed. I mean, they like, crucify your party yeah. at one point. Yeah. It's like, come on. Guys, really? Are we going here? Hold on. Actually, I was just Google searching uh, Xenogears, and I want to show you. Like, as you were saying that, I come across this image, and I'm like, yep, that's the game. Oh, I've never actually played this game, so. It's probably worth a play, actually. Um... There were some good things about it, and I can see certain reasons why I liked it when I was younger. Yeah. But, yeah, the game, like, not only does it have, like, the main character has all these deep psychological issues that they like explore Freudian, you know, psychology. Oh yeah, like it turns out one of the big bad guys is actually your id. Yeah, but then like there's also like all these deep religious significance and religious commentary. And it's like, oh god, it's this weird rotting thing in a spaceship that Yeah. Uh, it's really it's really weird. And I guess also what bugged me is that the end of the game like my favorite part was the combo system, which on a second playthrough I found out is 
kind of a waste of time because you're just going to use the most powerful combo. There's no reason to use anything else. And so there's this cool like hand-to-hand fighting system, and then there's a very simplified version of that which you do in the robots, and at the end of the game, there's zero reason to do the hand-to-hand. So you're just fighting in robots, and I don't know. Yeah. Nah, I... It's flawed. It does It does some really neat stuff, but it is flawed. <laughs> now, that said, I do like Xenoblade Chronicles a lot. That's in the same same kind of family of the games made by that creator. Oh, really? Um, I've never played Xenosaga, but Xenoblade was very cool. Um, sort of open world... I've heard people compare it to a, like how an MMO does combat, mm-hmm. but uh, you know it's got a very anime style story and characters, yeah. which you know it's okay in doses. The world is really cool. The combat's very well done. So you know I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean I, I sunk a hundred hours into it. So yeah, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, I haven't played Xenoblade, but I've heard good things about it. I guess. Mm-hmm. So if I may shift, you know, gears for you know a little while. Just... A while back, Michael was talking about games, game series, uh, Pokemon, I think it was, that in each installment fix everything from the last one, but then introduce some new problems. Okay. That was my incredibly uh, important insight. Yes. Yes. So uh, same deal with the Mass Effect series, which I feel the need to bring up because. I sank 120 hours into the trilogy, um, it, even missing some of the DLC from 2 and uh, like a little from 3, I think. And that there's a series that um, hopefully someone else has played. Yeah, I played it. Anyone else? Nope. <laughs> okay, that's a shame. I don't, oh, I overrated? I video games, apparently. I guess not. <laughs> no, so I it, thought they are very solid games. Individually, they're solid games. Together as a trilogy... It's a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you're looking for a cohesive gameplay style across all three, then yeah, it's not there. But I, I, I think it's a good trilogy. So, the in, sort of going back to the expectations of people saying, "Oh, greatest video game series ever! Look at all these choices that you can make, and everything matters. Nothing matters." Mm-hmm. So the the whole premise of the series is it's all about choice. Everything you do makes a difference. And realistically, looking at uh, looking at the wiki of if you did this, this is what would have happened, and if you did that, that's what would have happened. Most of the choices are simply about does this character make a cameo in the next game, or does this you know little item show up on your desk, or you know just it's it's all little details, and all of the broader stuff about you know I just elected an entirely new council because I let the old galactic council get blown up. Surely there's going to be widespread change throughout the galaxy now. No, no, it's going to be the exact same game next time because it doesn't matter who the council is. Things just go on as usual. So. I'll, it's supposedly all about choice. All of the little details they get right, and all of the broader details, like you really are just along for the ride. I mean, that's life. <laughs> that's that's what life is. You know, everything. You know, you think you might have changed something in the greater span of the world, and then you realize, nope. You 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 uh, everything you are, everything you have been, everything you will be is not but a leaf floating down the river of time <laughs> and you were utterly subject to its whims and completely powerless to stop its flow dust in the 
And it doesn't help, like you were saying, that they decided to change the gameplay style three different times throughout the course of the three game series. You know you're going to make a trilogy, you know, kind of work and move up little by little. Don't, like, throw out the baby with the bathwater and then come back next time and say, well, yeah, we're all about continuity. All of your choices matter, and we're going to make sure that, uh, you know, we're we're building to something. But we're not going to build on the gameplay at all. We're just going to completely trash everything that worked okay and then introduce a whole bunch of new stuff and hope it works. They didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> I mean, really, with the first Mass Effect, they, they, had a good, they had a good idea. They definitely had a good idea. It just needed and some refinement. And they were just like, you know, all right, we're going we're gonna to throw this at the wall and see what sticks. And then what stuck and, uh, was, what, uh, Call of Duty in space for the second one? It, it was definitely a lot more than Call of Duty in space. Yeah. But anyhow, Mass Effect. You needed to at least bring that up, obligation. Uh, and then my last one that I have, the original Mother. Oh. So Earthbound being Mother 2. Yeah. We know it's Earthbound. Love Earthbound. One of my favorite, like, second favorite RPG. Yeah. Good. Went back, well, I went back and played Earthbound Zero, yeah. which is Earthbound the fan Zero. translation of Mother. It's so not I a don't fan know. translation, yeah. actually. It's oh well, official... that's right. It was it was supposed to be like the official translation that never made it over, yeah. and yes. just something like that. Well, either way, was not impressed. Mm. I came to appreciate just how good of a sequel Earthbound is yeah. because it took all of these pretty decent, clever, different ideas for the time that just didn't work, and then they fixed <laughs> all of it and made everything better. <laughs> I mean, Shigesato Itoi is is on uh, record for saying he's like, yeah. We didn't do a very good job of balancing that game, especially in the last third. I mean, he he was interested in making a game, and he wanted to make a game with, you know, exploring themes that he felt hadn't been explored in other games. Uh, you know, like motherhood and uh, you know, re- and relationships between characters that it, at the time of the it came out on the Famicom, you hadn't really seen a lot of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty groundbreaking in that regard. And then they. They really learned a lot of lessons about how to actually make and balance a game, and they applied them to uh, Mother 2 with Slash Earthbound, and they made my favorite game of all time. So, Also, I wanna, I'm not going to rag on Earthbound, because uh, <laughs> I, I don't think it's overrated. I think it does so many things very well. And one of the things I want to mention, it's about the battle system for that, which on a surface is just sort of your classic you know, Dragon Quest-esque turn-based battle system. But the way they incorporate your hit points into a roller, where mm. there are many enemies that can kill you in one hit, uh, and often do, but if you can end the battle or you know heal yourself yeah. before the roller is, uh, you know, is completely gone to zero, you can save yourself. Yeah. That's really cool. And then they do the thing that I have no idea why not every RPG does this these days. You can automatically win battles if you are, oh. you know, overpoweringly stronger than the yeah. uh, the enemy you're fighting. Yeah. It's like, why doesn't everyone do that? It's so it's such a simple thing to do, yeah. and it's just so helpful for when you're you're going through you know older areas and you don't feel like stopping every three minutes to fight someone who's not worth your time. Yeah. All right, that's that's Earthbound's not overrated. It's great. Everyone should play it. All right, there you go. It's actually really hard to grind yourself into not having it still be a little bit challenging. Mm. Well, okay, actually, uh, that is something that I've always thought was interesting about Earthbound. The way that they 
balanced the EXP per level and the amount of EXP that the monsters give in a given area sort of maxes you out for the area that you're in. So you're still challenged at that point, but then as soon as you move on to the next area, you're getting so much more EXP that you're ready to level again. I thought that was a very... They thought that one out a lot. Yeah. So, uh, but were, were we complaining about time? Oh, what an awful RPG that is. Who likes time? <laughs> okay, well, because I was going to say, uh, I can give a, a list and we can just say yes, no. Do we like it? Do we hate it? All right. Okay, uh, Breath of Fire. <laughs> first, okay, first one, like, second one, oh my god, the translation's awful. Third <sighs> one, awesome. Fourth one, I don't remember it very well, but it's okay, now as good as the third one. And then Dragon Quarter was just weird. <laughs> I uh I loved the original Breath of Fire when I played it when I was, you know, 7 or whatever. Uh but going back it is like the most generic RPG. Uh it agreed. I I think the key Jetty is to play games like go back into the past, play games when you were little and never play them again <laughs> and then you'll love everything. <laughs> it's kind of true. Breath of Fire 2, I remember being dude so excited. I was like so when I saw that in the store, I was like, dude, I didn't even know that this was a thing. How is this possible? Mom, we have to buy it. And she was like, no. I was like, oh, what am I going to do without this game? And I remember, like, talking to all my friends and me, like, dude, have you heard about it? And none of them cared about RPGs. And, like, just talking to everybody and be like, dude, this is going to be the best game ever. And I liked upgrading the town. I didn't like that you could shoot yourself in the foot and fail to completely upgrade the town, as I remember. But that was fun. I uh, was it? I don't know. Like Breath of Fire Two, I liked it when I originally played it. But again, playing it again, I don't know. It was disjointed. I guess like it was a bunch of individual character stories, and I didn't feel like it had a cohesive plot, and that the mm. end plot was just sort of thrown together at the end. Like, oh yeah, we forgot that there was this boss that he had at the beginning of the game. Here he is again. <laughs> You're gonna fight him. All right, lightning round. Come on. Okay. Yeah, lightning All round. Right. Uh, Luffy two. Haven't Great. played it. Great puzzles, great, uh, great character development. A uh, little bit of spoilers because the first game actually starts with the ending of the second game, yeah. but uh, it's still it's very well crafted, um, especially if you like a, like you know different things to do in your RPG than just you know battle monsters. Yeah, it was. Uh, Luffy has always been like one of the more anime RPG yes. series, uh, but yes. other than that, Luffy too, like you said, puzzles, good game in general. Uh, Illusion of Gaia. Haven't played it. Very, very good. Um, definitely worth your time to check out if it's, uh, you know, if you're looking for something different than the uh, yeah the Final Fantasies. Yeah, action, battle, etc. Uh, Secret of Mana. Yeah. I, I like it a lot. Um, really great distinction for being a multiplayer RPG for the Super Nintendo. Yeah, action. And one that only works as a multiplayer RPG because single-playing through it is very tedious. Eh, I, I do it, but, you know. Yeah, loved it as a kid, went back because, like, oh, man, I remember loving the story. There is no story. Really. It's sort of, the game overall is sort of a mishmash of a bunch of other things I've seen elsewhere. So maybe at the time when it came out, it would have been awesome. Yeah. But having played a bunch of other things, I'm like, oh, well, I could get this from this game and that from that game. And yeah. I'll just go play those games. Yeah, it was, uh, I think, pretty much the earliest action RPG of that style. Uh, but in that sense, there was a lot of things that weren't very polished. Next game. Okay, so we're we're going to get into Japan only at this point, where we get into Terranigma. 
I mean, I played Terek Nigma. It's 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 good. I like it. Um, it's again, it's one of those quintet games. Yeah, it um, was the continuation of the Soul Blazer Illusion of Gaia yeah. concept. Never. Oh, it actually was also released in Europe, though. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, but um, no, it's you can get a trend. You can get a um, a realm of it. It's it's good. Yeah. If you if you end up if you try Illusion of Gaia or Soul Blazer and you end up liking those, yeah. Terra Enigma, I say, is probably the the best iteration of those, I think. Yeah, no, very solid game, great graphics, good music, gameplay, more action styled again. Uh, but I guess closer to Secret of Mana than to Illusion of Gaia, I feel. Yeah, that that I think that's fair. But uh, okay, uh, how about Seiken Densetsu Three, the sequel to Secret of Mana that was only released in Japan? Pretty, pretty good. Um, branching storylines are a plus. Can get a little frustrating uh, if you if you don't kind of do your characters right. Um, but in general, you know, having Secret of Mana, but you get to choose which uh, like oh, yeah. choose from like six characters who you have in your party, and a, and branch. You, know, you can play the games differently every time. Uh, and see different parts of the story. That's cool. Yeah. If you again, if you like Secret of Mana, play Second and Satsu Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then continuing with that sort of uh, multi-character, multi-story, they all come together at some point. Uh, uh, Treasure of the Rudra, uh, Rudra no Hiho. If anyone's heard of that one, I have not played that though. I think I might get a repro card of it actually at some point. Because uh, the only thing, like I tried playing it. And the graphics were really good, and I was excited about, like, whoa, this is, like, a really serious RPG that I've never heard of at the time. And they had the cool magic system where you, like, build your own spells. Uh, basically, you, like, spell out words, and, you know, kind of like how you make words out of Latin. You, like, put together different things uh, to come up with, you know, fire, fire strong, fire, like, whatever. I don't know. Uh, so that was cool, but... I never really got very far. Live Alive? Never played it. Yeah. Jenny, are we suddenly gaming outside the mainstream or something? I think we are. Like, these are all, uh, again, back when I was really big into uh, emulating games, I downloaded all of these, like, they were really poorly translated at the time, if they had a translation at all, but they were, like, continuations or really late Super Nintendo games that never just came over here. I don't know, you get a mishmash of, like, yeah, it's from uh, Square, but it was really weird and didn't make a lot of sense. All right, I'm going to hijack it because I'm going to bring it back to the U.S. and I'm going to give us some PS1, PS2 era RPGs really quick okay. to round this out. And I'm, Were you going to say Bahamut Lagoon? I probably should have had that on my list. I just came up yeah, with it off the top of my okay. head. So. Okay, uh, all right, Shadow Hearts. Anyone play the Shadow Hearts series on PS1? or Sorry, PS2? I was a Nintendo-only guy up until a very couple years ago, so I am out of this part of the conversation. Yeah, same. I watched a friend uh, play it, that's it. Yeah, kind of a... Um, what do I want to say gothic horror? Uh, a historical fiction yeah. uh, JRPG set around the beginning of World War I. Uh, you've got a very eclectic party. Uh, the, the protagonist uh, is uh, confused with demons, and you've got this, you get this weird kind of historical fiction uh, uh, plot line, but the mechanics are very solid. They use a, uh, in battle, they basically kind of use a little spinner that you control to determine how 
um, how you're going to hit. Um, I'm actually playing Shadow Hearts 2 right now, uh, replaying it, because it's one of my favorites. Do we want to count Fire Emblem, or do we want to say that's more tactical? Yeah, because, like, I don't know, I mean, it's still an RPG like Final Fantasy Tactics or anything, but I feel like that might start to get away from, like, then we that's get fair. Shining Force and all that. Yeah, okay, uh, Shin Megami Tensai, or the I Persona series. I've played one series. Fire Emblem game. I've heard that uh, Shin Megami Tensei is supposed to be like an excellent classic series that everyone should play, but I have never actually gotten around to it. Shin Megami Tensei 4 on the 3DS is really good. I can't recommend that enough. It's tough. The Shin Megami Tensei series are known for being really unforgiving. <laughs> um, so, But Shin Megami Tensei 4 does have optional DLC that you can download uh, that will let you grind really easily. <laughs> so that's something to consider. And then you have the Persona series, which is related, uh, but it's also in it, it's an RPG slash school sim. Mm, yeah. Uh, which I got Persona Three Portable earlier this year, and absolutely got addicted to it. So. Uh, Vagrant Story. I wish they would have done so much more with Vagrant Story. <laughs> I missed that game. I, I I used to have it. I have no idea where it is. I've been wanting to revisit it for a while. Uh. Uh, it might not hold up because I haven't played it since high school, but yeah, the action RPG in this weird crumbling city that, and you, you collect these ancient grimoires to do various things with. I, I, yeah, I was down with it. Yeah. Oh, what am I thinking of? Oh, I'm totally... You're thinking of Golden Sun. I, okay, Golden Sun, how about that? Uh, I've never played it. It, it's a series of good enough RPGs, like the... First one is, oh, okay, fine, fun. I like the synergy powers. You can have some creative puzzle solving on top of your regular RPGing. And then it's like, eh, eh, eh. and then the last quarter of the second game is amazing. I'm like, where was this for the entire rest of the series? And then it goes back to, okay, pretty good when you get to Dark Dawn. It's like, oh, I've done some of this before in like Metroid and Zelda, this whole dark world shtick. But, you know, it's it's fun, not amazing. I like them. <laughs> Uh, Mario and Luigi games, like Superstar Saga and Bowser's Inside Story and Partners in Time. And... I like all of those. I like all yeah. of them a lot. Those They're are, very those are some of my favorite. Bowser's Inside Story in particular for being like very working with, instead of adding new things, really working with what was a lot of stuff that was already established to make something really interesting. Uh, Wild Arms. Really interesting. I, I watched my brother play it, and nice take on, you know, sort of open-world exploration. Well, not, not open-world, but, you know, that sort of Final Fantasy formula where, you know, it starts off a bit linear, but then it opens up the world. And it's it gives you a sort of a different fantasy world where, you know, you've got technology, but you've also got um, ancient and godlike beings that you can... I, it, they made a, a world I felt that had a really good amount of history to it. I, that I liked. Yeah. So... What about the Ultima series? Oh, ooh. lots of Ultima games. Has anyone actually played those? I've played the original Ultima, which is like four colors and seven pixels on the screen, yeah. and that's all you get. And for as old, I mean, this is one of the original RPGs. Yeah. And even though the graphics don't hold up, there's like no sound to speak of. Yeah. It's surprisingly okay. It's got its solid gameplay, a lot of randomly generated dungeons, as I recall, um, and monsters that look like, you know, sticks hanging, falling out from the ceiling. But 
surprisingly solid gameplay. Because I remember seeing the cartridge at the game store when I was, you know, like eight and being like, wow, an RPG that I've never heard of. And I had the chance to play, like, I wanted to start at the beginning of the series, so, like, I loaded up one of the earlier games for the NES recently, and I was like, oh, this is such a nightmare, I don't think I can stand this without any nostalgia behind it. Anyone played Sonic the Hedgehog the Dark Brotherhood? I have. Where's Matt? It's not terrible. Where's Matt? Yeah, I was... I, I really went into it with a lot of low expectations because it was a game my bro- younger brother got, and I was like, oh, you're just getting this wacky Sonic game, whatever. <laughs> and I played through it after he did, and I was honestly pretty... It was more interesting than I thought it was going to be. It's not great. Um, it's clunky. That's, that's, yeah. the word, that's the term I want to use for it. It does seem, it does seem like it could have been something really interesting had the ser- series kept going, but I think they abandoned ship after the first game. Yeah. Um, they they played around, and one of the things is like I re- I do kind of wish it did better because I feel like the Sonic's games world now has just become so populated <laughs> with characters and story that you know what I think it would make a pretty good RPG with like characters you meet and story and having these different things. I think you know I think modern Sonic is a lot more conducive to story. So like you know television shows, Sonic television shows are probably the best. Video, like direct video game shows like this is a video game now it's a show i feel like right. sonic had the most it had like four different series five as soon as sonic boom comes out and i feel like the way that the universe has been made kind of speaks that it's also got you know a long-run comic series but i feel like rpg could have done, done really well with that had they continued and they explored some interesting things in the first part of the game and then the second part of the game went into this weird other realm that didn't really have much to do with anything else. But um, they did that sort of world exploring, like, here's the Sonic world in RPG form, so you can sort of see how everything works together in more of a story sense. And they did that really well for the first part of the game, and then, like, even probably less than halfway through, you get shunted off to this entire other world, and you just kind of ignore it for the rest of the game. But surprisingly, not terrible. Jetty, thou art forgetting a rather significant series. Am I? Thou art. Wait, wait. Oh, that's. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, am I? Is it Kingdom Hearts? But oh, for crying out loud! <laughs> Dagron Warrior. Yes. Well, okay, but I guess my focus was on later games. Like, do we really want to talk about Dragon Warrior and Dragon Warrior Four? Well, no. It, it, I, still... I've played two and three. <laughs> We're, we're all the way up to ten, and it hasn't been released in the U.S. But we, you know, we had Dragon Quest Nine. I never played the ones that were not on <laughs> the Nintendo Entertainment System. The ones that were quests and not warriors. Yeah. I mean, Dragon Quest Eight, I think, is actually probably the best of the entire series, and that was a PS2 game. Yeah, I've never played it. Uh, I mean, I do have fond memories of Dragon Warrior Four. Uh, I don't have many complaints aside from, you know, obviously talk stairs you know i thought that the story was pretty good and the concept of going around and gathering up the heroes and then finding like the one central hero and playing the game from there that was cool and then the graphics eh, you know even yeah the graphics didn't really get all that much better i mean they there's a jump from the first one yeah but after that just sort of said well this is the style we're sticking with yeah and we're not gonna try any harder yeah uh uh the, the fourth one I like the fourth one, but it's populated with inept buffoons because 
allowing your party members to figure out what they want to do yeah. is not a good idea when Dopey Magoo over there is deciding to cast the instant death spell on the boss who for the last five turns has been obviously immune to the instant death spell. Yeah, Taloon just trips and falls. <laughs> Um, I, I like one for the simplicity. It is a terrible grind fest, but it's just straightforward, mindless, with enough... I mean, you, you need to actually be skillful to get through it, uh, despite everything. It, I, it I like it for that. Was, it was like the progenitor, you know? Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't need to do a whole lot yeah. then, because it was completely new. Um, and the second one is just a travesty, because all of your characters are unique and horrible at the same time in their uniqueness and <laughs> they're all really bad they're, no one in that party could do anything um and all of the monsters the princess is made of paper all of the monsters yeah, are yeah. oppressively bad it's like i have completely aced this area i'm gonna walk over a bridge mm. and kick the butt of uh my tombstone sorry yes. uh, it's just not and then three is good i played the game boy color remake of three so i'm not sure how the original stacks yeah. up but i like being able to pick and choose and swap out your party members and it was just kind of fun to wander around and explore and gradually find out what was going on i enjoy three a lot i briefly played three uh early on and i've been putting off playing it for a long time because i want to save and be able to enjoy a fresh nes rpg someday you know what i mean that i want to be able to go into it without much expectation and just say let's sit down and play a classic RPG not knowing what I'm going into exactly. I've got, sort of for that purpose, I've got Fantasy Star on the Wii Virtual Console, oh, the original, to play oh, at some oh. point. I've got, I've got Mega Man 9 in my backlog for that. I'm saving that for a rainy day. It's totally an RPG. <laughs> well, I'm just talking about <laughs> games in general. Goodness gracious. I've had nothing to say for like the past 15 minutes. I wanted We're to sorry. say something. <laughs> I wasn't alive when the SNES was out and all of these games were coming out. So I didn't buy them, and I don't hear them talked about except here mostly, so I haven't really had that much of a... All of my weird games are from, like, DS and Game Boy and Wii. And that's totally fine. You've just got people who go to conventions and pick up things in the game rooms and who mm-hmm. go to yard sales and pick up old games there. Yeah, I don't have a car, so both of those things are kind of difficult. And the one convention that I go to doesn't, like, sell video games. They're, they're, they're like no, no video games. Don't buy, don't buy video games at a convention. Their prices, they jack up the prices. Go yard sailing. And then your cruise in USA for the N64 copy doesn't work. Mm-hmm. There's actually you, um, that you can no, you can clean them. That's fine. Goodwill um, apparently this. opened up a video game branch. Like they just instead of like having random assortments of video games in every they, single Goodwill store, Goodwill store. Uh, Compiled it all into one. I mean, they like, have their own eBay site these days. But oh, apparently, God. apparently, this one store, it has, like, computers, it has, like, Oculus Rift demo stuff. You can, like, go in and just play games. You, like, you can... What the... Test they are out. not a thrift store anymore. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, this, and, well, this, this totally is a specific branch of Goodwill. It's called Random tangent, else. never give your things to Goodwill. Because <laughs> they are awful. They, they really, they make a point like, oh, we employ the differently abled. They pay them as little as they can get away with. Meanwhile, their CEOs are making hundreds of thousands of dollars off of things that you gave them. Okay. End rant. Mm-hmm. Well, but apparently they have good, they have what I've heard. I don't know if it's true, but they've had good prices and you can test out most, pretty much all the games you could test out in the store before you bought them. 
so that I might be picking up some stuff. I need to start picking up stuff like that so that I can say things during these podcasts. It'd be nice. I mean, uh, I, do, I I go to Goodwill so specifically so I can take their pricey things for cheap so they can't sell. Obligatory mention of Crystallis. Oh, good one. Uh, yep. I mean, yeah, it obviously has its issues with the story. Not really. The ending is so great, but the trying to figure out <laughs> the, what you're doing the rest of the game. The instruction manual helps a lot <laughs> on that front. Back in the days when you needed to read the instruction manual. Yeah. Uh, and another RPG series that is on my watch list that I want to try and get. Uh, um, Is, Yis, Yis, oh, Yis, Yis. whatever it's called. Uh, one and two. Uh, yes. I, yes. No, Yes. Yes. So I watched a, a little bit of a, a video playthrough of it just to get a sense of is this something that I'd be interested in. And I is link it to Crystallis now be because I'm pretty sure they use a couple of the same sound effects, which was really exciting. I said, I don't care what else the rest of this game is like. I'm playing this now because it's got the Crystallis doodly dudes. <laughs> uh, I played Ease 3 for the Super Nintendo Wanderers of Ease. Uh, That's a great game. It it's is a really fun game. another action RPG side-scroller. Uh, I've never played any of the others. I've, I've tried some like I tried one on PSP, but that one's that one's solid. That one's really solid. Uh, Saga Frontier. I like it, but I can understand why people wouldn't. It's it's odd. It's very odd. Uh, Lunar. Nobody. Nope. Okay. Nope. Uh, Vandal Hearts. Nope. Uh, Azure Dreams. Nope. Uh, Suikoden. Nope. I'm sorry, we've pretty much exhausted almost everything I've played that uh, is actually an RPG and not, like, sort of yeah, an RPG. Yeah, and... Uh, oh, I mean, we've talked about... We, we mentioned Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2. Uh, we haven't talked about any MMOs. Yeah. And, you know, maybe mentioned the word MMO at one point. And then things like Heroes of Might and Magic, or the Might and Magic games, um, which I've had very little contact with, except for 3. I think we've I think we've hit most of everyone's sort of big reserves. Yeah, and there's going to be like the one game that the one person who's really passionate about comes back and says, "I can't believe you didn't talk about this game." Well, we're sorry. I feel like the problem is most games have RPG elements now, so it's like, is uh, Borderlands an RPG? Like, no, it's an FPS with RPG elements, and I feel like. You know, yeah, there's still the Final Fantasy series, there's still the Dragon Quest series. Like, there are classically styled RPGs now, I guess. Oh, and there's Neverwinter Nights, where I started to play as a thief. Well, the, yeah, okay, so... Companion. The yeah, only companion uh, like, I could get to come with me was another thief. I'm like, I need a mage, a cleric, a fighter, like, two thieves thieving around is not going to get me far. And I, I, only really, I really gotta go to bed, but... <laughs> Black Isle Games, Fallout... Um, the original Fallout's, uh, Baldur's Gate, Icewind Dale, all absolutely phenomenal games. Very well done. They they're written by who I think is I I think is probably the best writer in video games to today. Uh, Chris Avalone. Um, he's working at Obsidian now with a lot of the other ex Black Isle people. Yeah, uh, and also they have a new one coming out, uh, Pillars of Eternity, which I. Was that Pillars of Eternity? Pillars. Doing sleep talk now. Yes, Pillars. But no, those are all absolutely fantastic, and I cannot overhype them enough, actually. So. Well, it, it sounds like we should uh, probably stop at the inn and spend the night, you guys, and go. Do, 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 do
That's not the end. Does that count as the end? It's close enough. I'm grabbing at straws here, you guys. I'm sorry, that's uh, Mario Land game over. Oh, yeah. Which is probably not the best way to... So, yes, uh, RPGs, some are good, some are bad. Uh, most have Most have some drawbacks at some point. And Chrono Trigger is awesome. It's a pretty good game in the end, all said. <laughs> oh, uh, okay, so yeah, visit our actual internet website, listen to us on iTunes, rate us highly. Uh, if you don't want to rate us highly, don't uh, we, we don't exist there. Uh, go on YouTube, gc.net, the letter G, the letter C, the word dot, the word net. We are on Tumblr, gamecola.tumblr.com. We're on Twitter at gamecola. We're on Facebook, search for gamecola. I think that's pretty much everything. Just go to Google and search for Game Cola and hopefully it will come up. <laughs> Should I double check? <laughs> Gamecola.com. Feel the taste of fresh games. <laughs> I think this podcast is pretty well done. We are the we are the first. We've got we've got the website, we've got the YouTube channel. We've got and we've Twitter. got to go to bed. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Sorry. We have guys. A TV to- Page. Should we tell people to go to our TV tropes page? Do we, we should tell them to go to bed. Oh, yeah, Wait, we right. do? I forgot about that. I keep meaning to go update. All right, we need to go to bed. Yeah, we can do that after the podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Sleep is for the week. Bye, and don't forget to hold reset when you power off. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. See you. Bye. 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 Did anybody actually change their opinions on anything? No. Who does? I don't like Eddie as much as I used to. (laughs)